Hello and welcome to Silencing Women in the Name of God. I'm Devery Alice. Today we have on Ellie. Ellie and I met years ago. She was actually my editor for my first book, um, my first book series, actually. And when we were first working together, we were both very religious, different religions, but very deep in. Ellie transitioned out first, and then I didn't follow for years um, and years after that. While talking to her, I learned so much about her story that I did not know, I didn't understand. Um, Ellie comes from an extreme patriarchal arm of religion. She was taught that she couldn't do anything without a man, that she needed a man um, for finances because they were smarter. Um, she needed a man for protection and salvation and guidance and and all, all of those things. She wasn't allowed to get uh, tattoos or piercings when she was younger, not because it was against the religion and not because she didn't have them, but because she couldn't get them until her husband approved because he needed to find them attractive. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, her abusive marriage, which was, of course, set up from the start to be that way based on these patriarchal tenets of this faith. And then also her her journey out, finding herself and discovering that she was queer within a religion that had extreme moral and, and chastity views. So thank you all for being here. I am so excited to share Ellie's story with you because it needs to be heard. So thank you for honoring her. Uh, and I love all of you so much for being here and sharing these stories with me. Hello, Ellie. How are you? Hi, Devery. I'm great. I'm so glad to have you here today. Ellie and I have known each other for a long time now. Like, mm -hmm. I realized, oh my God, it's been like 12, I think 12 years. Because I was, I had a memory pop up of the first book that I had published the other day. And I was, so I was starting to put timelines together. And uh, Ellie was my editor on, well, my first or second did you come you came in on the second it had to have been like yeah like eight eight seven eight nine years ago yeah and yeah Devery, like I have seen you take this whole journey like yes when I met you you were all about like submit not really submitting to your husband but it was it was family first before uh -huh. Devery uh -huh. you um were could not say a bad thing about your church you never <laughs> you never ever spoke a bad thing about um um and what you were doing as a just like writing was that super brave you know, you were, uh -huh. you were going out there being yourself, starting a career 
And then now, like, just to see where you're at is, oh, it, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big Thank deal. You. And I remember having some really huge conversations with you about it, particularly that one drive. Do you remember? When, Which, when, like, when I came out to visit you, is that what we're Yes. Yeah. Remind me. So, oh my God, so much of my life is such a blur, especially from that that particular point. Because I was in this, I was deconstruct, I was starting to deconstruct, but like almost subconsciously. And so Mm -hmm. what it did is it made me more rigid in real life Mm -hmm. and like in conversations because it was like I was having to defend myself from myself. And oh, so yeah. I, I remember having conversations with people, but like the, the point, like the depth of the conversation is just gone. Cause I think I just had to go into auto mode. So remind me what, like okay. were we just talking about like the church and stuff. So like, let's say, you know, nine years ago we met, we're both perfect Christian women, kids, husband took care of the house. Um, I was a stay at home mom. Were you a stay at home mom? At that time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. Mean, uh, yeah. Yes and no. Like, I would work a few hours a day here and there, but, like, I never had a full-time job. Yeah. Right. Um, and at church all the time. We both yeah. were. At church yeah. all the time. Huge part of our lives. And then um, I, uh, seven um, years ago, um, I have a complete spiritual apocalypse it all comes tumbling down. Mm -hmm. Um, And it had, you know, been leading up to that for probably two years, like since I met you, since I started going outside of my freaking circle. Uh Uh-huh. That was the same for (laughs) me, like stepping outside. Yep. Mm -hmm. And once I started getting outside of my circle and then climbing and then looking around my circle, hearing the stories of ladies just like me, I, it changed my perspective. It changed my yeah. advice. It changed how I talked to myself. Um, and and then, so I t- told you all about um, how I, I no longer believed in God. Oh, and yeah. it was, it, I mean, you were one of the first people that I told and told the story to and could be honest with because... Oh God, Debbie, I hope like, I was nice. Tell me I was nice. You are so nice. Like, <laughs> Debbie, I, was, I, I, was, <laughs> I was just about to say this, like whether you're what you've always been you, you have always oh. been you, you have your, and I think that as like, um, Christians, we lie to ourselves and say that it's God who makes us good. Mm. That's not mm. true. We are yeah. good. And so whenever, you know, you change, that doesn't change that goodness because I'm no longer getting my strength, hope, love from God. Um, It's, it's coming from inside me and you've, you've always been that person. Oh, thank you. I'm getting ulterior and we've barely started. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Seriously. Well, and I love it's, it's, I'm sure I've said this before on here, but I, when I left and just started looking, yeah, in for like, who am I and, and what, like, what do I believe? But also who, who the fuck am I? Cause I don't, I don't know anymore. My capacity for love 
for others quadrupled like mm-hmm. because I, yeah. I had more love for myself and I took out the shame and I took out the searching outside and moved it inside and and yeah like my I guess what was there all along was finally able to just come out without any I don't know what do you want to say like blocks roadblocks I don't know yeah but it is it's phenomenal so I oh I love thank you for reminding me of that conversation also you and I had a an amazing friend who was an editor and she told us a story uh one time about how her husband was being so mean to her and we don't know the full story but it completely sounded like abuse uh to you and I and honestly three years previously I would have said you need to submit you need to try to be nicer. You need to try to do what he says. You have got to hold that marriage together because if you're divorced, God won't love you anymore and he'll send you to hell. Like that was what, that was like, that was my core belief. I truly believed that, that I had to stay married if I was going to heaven. It was through, you know, this relationship that I'm going to be saved. And I didn't want to turn into an adulteress. I like what Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount, but no, like we'd come far enough in that journey that when she told us that story, we were both like, oh, girl, no, 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 you're not going to, you're not going to be treated that way. Uh Uh-uh. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you talked to her and just like talked her up, said she can do this and that that is never okay to be treated that way. Oh, you've always been that person. Oh, and now, but now you're even more that person, right? Because it's yeah. like, it's, it's in, you have like, no, like you're not doing it. You're doing it because of you, not because of some like outside force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I love cause like all of you guys that I've had on all of you, amazing, beautiful women, who are telling these stories, which is such an act of bravery in the first place, but it is every single person is doing it out of the desire to be themselves, honor themselves and help mm-hmm. other people like every mm-hmm. single person. And it is so, so beautiful. Ah, uh, okay. So you've mentioned a couple of things and I know that the listeners are going to be like, this is great. And I'm glad you guys are bonding, but like Ellie has some things that she needs to tell us. Cause this is very interesting. So talking about, <laughs> This idea that, um, yeah, our friend would have needed to stay married because she would go to hell otherwise. So we're going to go all the way back to how these beliefs kind of came to be in you. Um, because you had, I think all of us had a patri- a heavy patriarchal background, but yours might take the cake. So I get it. I get some cake. Awesome. I think you might get, I'm like, oh. I'm, look, I'm looking over at my list of, wait, you might have one like heavy competitor, but like really you're, you're top two easy. Um, no. I so, better get some cake after this. That's what I'm saying. I have, I, my friend literally just delivered me gluten-free cake like three hours ago. Cause I don't know oh. if I have nice people. So there's oh. cake on my counter. If you can make it to Idaho. All right. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so talk to us about what um what sect of religious that was not a sentence. Okay. What sect you grew up in? Yep. And how okay. you were raised. 1985, Bible Belt in Iowa, small town, farm. 
Um, so my parents went to a um, very small Christian uh, college called Ozark Christian College. And um, through that, they got connected to missionary in Thailand, um, basically working by themselves. So they are called independent missionaries. So our churches would pay them to go to Thailand and preach the gospel and sentence. Um, so, you know, we, and the whole theology is, um, Bible first. So we did lots of hermeneuticals. We would study the passages. We would study the, the Greek. Um, we wanted to take the Bible literally. Mm. And we believed that, you know, everything in it was true. Um, so that was pretty, you know, destructive for women, if you believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that, yeah, you know, it means things like women led men into sin. It means mm. things like men are the head of the household. It means things like women can be um, bought and sold as property. Um, it means things like women aren't... Um, aren't uh, like a part of Jesus's ministry. They're a part of Jesus's ministry, but they aren't equal to his disciples. Mm-hmm. Men first. There are 12 disciples and 12 of them are men. Um, so it, but the independent part is kind of scary because also each person, um, it's so subjective. Every man is going to interpret it the way he sees. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when there's a verse that says, spare the rod, spoil the child, one man is going to be like, well, I can't spoil my kids. You know, those little goofballs, they're just, when they get into trouble, I'm going to rein them in and, you know, wrap my knuckles across their head. And another man um, who, let's say, follows Um, something called the full quiver movement, which is what my parents followed, um, would buy rods and leather straps at the conferences that they went to in order to beat their children in order to save their souls. Yeah. Um, I can't. When you first said this, I was like, (laughs) I'm sorry. They bought, like, literal rods at conferences. Like, they were... Okay. Okay. So really quick, I have, I had another guest on, her name is Catherine. um, And she was talking about this, the independence. And I'm wondering now if you guys were part of the same thing. So the way that she was describing this, I'm wondering if it was the same for you is every, so what you're saying is every man is the head of the household within the organization, but because it's, independent every man interprets the literalism of the scriptures to whatever degree he wishes and there's no there's no one that's checking that there's no checks and balances that are saying like hey you are out of line here yeah what yeah okay so um so in the churches we would all follow that no homosexuality 
homosexuals could be leaders. That's obviously in the Bible is what uh, the men decided. And yeah, I was going to say, there there are definitely air quotes around, obviously, in the Bible here for Ellie. In case. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then, um, but my parents would take it a step further. And, you know, in the Old Testament, um, they said that, you know, sexual immorality, um, people who were found to be sexual immoral within the um, God's chosen people, the Jews, they were to be stoned. And once I asked my mom, I said, I said, how can that be? How can you kill someone who's sexually immoral? And she said, it's because they're going to take down everyone within the group. That's why it's so important. I was like, so like, you know, there's in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there's a bunch of laws that's, that say um, all the people that need to be stoned um, for immorality and, um, it's, it's very specific. <laughs> and so, um, wow. yeah. And, and, and I said, so why would, so is this what God still wants us to do? Um, and my like innocence as a child. And she said, yes, the world would be a better place. If we just stoned everybody. Oh if we God. stoned, if we stoned people who are found guilty of immorality. So that's how extreme, um, the legalism was. And, um, and then you don't question it. You just do not question it. So it's, it's pretty terrifying to, you know, be, it was pretty terrifying to be wrong, um, immoral in my household and, um, women who didn't have what's called the umbrella of, um, a male, like protector. Um, so like single women, widowers, <laughs> my, my parents would be like, they've got to have a man over them to make the decisions for them because that's how it works spiritually. Um, and yeah. they found all of this in the Bible. It's there. If you want yeah, to is. believe, if you want to believe that you will find what you need in the mm-hmm. Bible yeah. to back you up. Um, so another book I want to bring up, which literally just like effed up my whole childhood and my cousin's childhood, it's called To Train Up a Child, Child Training for the 21st Century by Michael Pearl. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Pearl, they, they teach, uh, they teach not just like corporal punishment, but they teach beating your children. And so, um me uh, and it was just normal that and yeah. like my cousins and it was just a normal part is that when you disobeyed <laughs> and by the way forgetting something is disobedience then you got so like beat. okay wait okay wait so like let's say I just need to make sure that I understand the depth of this because when we talked the first time like it was like three levels deeper than I would think. Like you would say something and I'd be like, okay. And then you would give me a story and I'd be like, oh my God, that was like so, so much worse than I thought. So like, when you say forgetting something, so like, are we talking to forgetting what time it is and you're late for curfew or like you were asked to get eggs at the store and you just came home? Like, what are we talking? No, like it's four o'clock and mom had already asked you to finish the laundry. So you get beat because it's not done. 
Okay. I was like, oh my God, I forgot, mom. I'm so sorry. And then you get beat. See, and, and, and also and the like, justific- yeah, the justification, spare the rod, spoil the child is like, this, this is the, the stakes are more serious because we're not talking about you didn't get the laundry done. Somehow this will lead to your demise and this will lead to Yes. Okay, okay. So that, that's the umbrella. So dad's the head of the household. Mom is under him and we're under them both. So mm-hmm. they are responsible for our spiritual we- welfare. Mm-hmm. If we don't do well, they aren't doing well. Mm-hmm. They will not they will not be good before God if we don't follow if we if basically like it we have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> Michael uh Pearl also wrote a book called Created to Need a Helpmeet, a marriage guide for men. Oh my god, I'm and, I'm already traumatized and all I know is and, <laughs> And then there's also, of course, the counterpart, which effed up my entire marriage, which was called Created to Be a Helpmate. And it just says that we're created to help men. And that's our role. And we should be happy about it. And um, in this book, um, it goes so far that she says, if your husband does something bad, like bad enough to get in jail. You cannot divorce him. You need to go visit him in jail. Mm -hmm. So she, again, they take it to like the utmost extreme and it has hurt so many people. Mm -hmm. The, the pearls, the pearls teaching on child rearing and marriage has just devastated the independent Christian community and yeah. has led to so much abuse. And then I would also say John Piper. I, I'm i just saying these names because they are names that like I was raised on and that all my like family and friends, we were all like read these books and studied them. These were leaders of thousands, you know, and um, so influential in our, in our um, church. And um, John Piper is a, um, he has this YouTube video that actually helped me um, eventually like divorce my husband because it's so extreme. He, and in it, he's doing interviews about marriage and about um, what's called, um, well, it's, it's the philosophy that women have to submit to men. It's called complementary marriage. So in it, um, he's asked, so what if a woman's abused? And John Piper, leader of a megachurch, says, if she's abused, then, you know, if, if he loses his temper and he smacks her around, she needs to go to the elders of the church and report him. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, so I just remember my, like my whole soul falling out being like, this pastor is telling a woman not to go to the police. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause we have to protect the church. Absolutely. Here's my Ugh. question because I have talked to enough women that I know what 
many of the elders and many of these religious organizations are going to say to the woman. So I'm going to ask you, what would you have been told had you gone to the elders to report abuse? Do you, I mean, if you don't know, that's totally fine. Oh, no, I absolutely know because my dad told it to me and um, my, my female like discipleship group leader told it to me. It's that you need to calm down and get off your antidepressants because they're making you crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and um, did you? It was because you... I started going uh-huh. to therapy. They connected. Uh-huh. Like Ellie went to therapy, which is yes. a bad idea. And Ellie started on antidepressants, and after that, she freaking divorced her husband. <laughs> yep. 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 This yep. means that she is literally. Lost her mind. I'm like, no, for freak's sake, I finally am sane. And so I divorced my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And I and I have quit this church. I've quit you. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad. Stop telling me that I'm sinful. Stop telling my kids that they're sinful. Get out of my life. And And that was my story seven years ago. So yeah. um, anyways, I'm trying to tell this linearly, but I'm not. No, don't. Anyways, don't even worry about 1985, it. we're in Thailand and the borders of Myanmar or Burma and Thailand. It's just us. Um, I don't remember much of that. It's just so isolated. Okay. We're like the only white people. And um So I won't even get into all that except to say like it's isolating and then we come back to Iowa and a little farm um, and we live just a really small life and I, um, we live on a farm. It's really idyllic. There's so many like wonderful things about my childhood, you know, um, we got to, I have eight siblings um, because um, birth control is against God's law. Like God will give you the children. Um, so again, like that's taken away choice from women. It didn't, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if a woman only wants like two kids, she was going to have as many as God wanted her to. So, which yep. is such a destructive patriarchal mindset. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's also outdated well, and- because yeah. Yeah, well, listen, there are, there. I know one person that I can think of who really should have had the 11 children that she had. Like, she's great. It's wonderful. Like, she, this is her jam. And she yeah. does it well. And I'm like, you got this. But for so many women, like, we don't have the mental capacity to handle emotionally that many children and that's just one part of the problem on top of no choice and depending on husbands and like taking away your ability to leave and taking away your ability for education but just the fact that we don't give a shit about how your mental health is how your physical health is like it doesn't matter keep getting pregnant is it's just so hugely problematic on every level Mm -hmm. so we had five five daughters starting out and dad said that he needs to keep trying for a boy. So that's how his daughters were treated. And, um, we are, we are just always talked down to, um, we were raised to be wives and mothers. Um, 
with when I say that, I mean that very literally. Whenever I was 12 years old, they had me, um, they bought me a, when I was 12 years old, um, they said that I'm a woman now and that I'm like, I need to start being capable of like womanly things. And when I was, so when I was 14, we had kind of like a womanhood ceremony where like I got a cedar box to start um, making things for my own household to fill for whenever I would have my own household. And then I started a series called Far Above Rubies, Far Above Rubies, which taught me how to be a wife. And I'm 14 years old. Yeah. And well, and you that, were, sorry, I want to, yeah. I'm going to, I want to roll you back just like a few years. Cause I just want people to understand, um, how literal literal is. So you guys were, you were homeschooled, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And if I remember correctly, cause your pre-interview was a while back. So I, I may mess this up. Um, if I remember correctly, what you had said was like, everything was run through this home and family narrative, including science and math and all of it. Yeah. And the examples you gave me, I was like, what? So please, please share what you mean when you say, I was raised to, like, how, how did schooling look for you when w- wife and mother was the only goal? Oh, okay. Um, well, for one, um, like... We had a Christian biology and chemistry book, and I don't even know how chemistry can be Christian, but it was. There were verses in there. And then um, I started this um, what's a curriculum, a, they called it a school curriculum, and I was taught about meal prep, and I was taught um, and that, that was what my schooling was. So I would have to meal prep for our family of, uh, 11 and go grocery shopping, make grocery lists, then meal prep, and then cook every single night for a month. That was one of my duties. So while other girls were learning to write essays or, um, reading or science, I was prepared to make meals. And, um, so it's so extreme, like just extreme. And then we would, um, study the Bible for at least an hour a day and, um, and pray. So we would have devotions in the morning and devotions at night. My mom led the morning one. My dad led the night one. So just extreme, like we would study the Bible all the time. We would, um, be made to memorize chapters of the Bible. And then to my humiliation, we had to quote them in front of the whole church. So here we are, this little, I was, it was so embarrassing. Like, like we would stand in front of the church and I, and, and quote entire chapter of the, of the Bible, us, wow. like lay, our, us laying kids. <laughs> and, um, um, so and and that Again, was schooling. That was your That was like, school. That's oh, what yeah. they told the state, like, yes, we are teaching a curriculum and that this is yeah. the curriculum that you're getting. Because okay. and okay. there's all there's always a way out. So in Iowa school, in Iowa homeschool, they would always make a um someone come check out your it was 
they would make a teacher come check out you for a day to make sure like every month there was someone in the house to make sure that you were getting real school done. But this woman was my mom's friend. So, Oh, I was getting, I was like, oh, that's way better than Idaho, but no, it's fine. Yeah. And so then my, my mom was like, you need to go to this family, this family, this family. And she set it up for all of our little group so that that, that teacher would make sure that we, yeah. So again, like the government does have things in place, but it can be. Yeah, easily. Okay. So, so that was your background. And then when you turned 14, you transitioned, well, or you started in addition, this program, um, far above rubies, right? Is that what you called it? Yeah. Okay. About the Proverbs 31. The Proverbs 31. What does this entail? Yeah. Go ahead. Is is Proverbs 31 long? Is that a quotable thing? Or is like, listen, I don't know the Bible. (laughs) Proverbs 31. Um, it's about like waking up before dawn. What did Proverbs 31 woman do? She wakes before dawn to put um, breakfast on for her tape, for her family. Um, let's see what else. She, um, oh. This one, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hand. She, Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She is like a merchant ship bringing food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. So I, when I had an wow. entire section on rising above rising at dawn and, and the benefits of early rising. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's very extreme. And I was at this time that I was taught, no, it was throughout my whole life. I was taught that you have to have a man end of story. So if your husband Mm -hmm. dies, you go back into your your dad's house. And after Wait, I what? Before, oh yeah. Like you you move back in with your parents if you lose your husband? 100%. Oh, I don't think you've told me that before. <laughs> like, what, if, what if you have like what if you have like nine kids? You still move back in with your parents? Of course you do. You oh cannot be a woman okay. on her own. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was new information. And- so after I divorced, my dad said, you're going to come underneath my umbrella again. Oh, my God. I, I don't will protect you again. This. Yeah. Wow. And because you're I just said, not capable as a woman. No. So, again, I was also um, uh, a – I went on a, a – I have been seeing this wonderful woman lately, and she asked me, what are three things that you wish you could tell your teen self? Mm. And one of them was, I wish I could have told myself that you are not stupid and you are not Mm. bad with money. Because my dad was always telling my mom how bad she was with money, and um, I... 
and he made it seem way more complicated than it was. And so I was always afraid to be in charge of a checkbook. Mm-hmm. And we are trained that that is a man's thing. It's budgets are too complicated. And oh my God. I, and so that helped us become dependent. So I just believed that I was stupid and couldn't like handle money. And then, um, and then I also believed that, um, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that if you divorce your husband, then you both will become adulterers. If someone marries you, they'll become an adulterer too. So even if I was living a terrible life, I was never going to get divorced. I would separate, but I was never going to get divorced. I believe that to the core of my being. And even after um, I was, you know, spiritually, physically, sexually abused by my husband, I did not want to divorce him. I was so scared. I was so scared that I was going to be, that if I lost that connection to a man, I... I was just, I would be lost. Yeah. And um, it it was like uh, my world revolved around men, what they thought, what they were doing, and mostly what they needed. And my mom taught me that my body was was theirs. So she said, you cannot get tattoos unless your husband says that you can get a tattoo or your dad. And you cannot get piercings unless it's attractive to to them your hair has to be perfect I remember sitting at a dinner table with my aunt and she said I've always wanted to um I've always wanted to highlight my hair I said why don't you you look amazing with highlighted hair and she said because because my husband wouldn't like it and that's the end of the story And, um, so our bodies were not our own because there's a verse in the Bible that says that, that, um, once you're married, you're of one flesh and, um, and then continually stories of the Bible and things that God would talk about, you know, stories of people full of faith there women's bodies were treated like property. Yeah. So yeah. can we talk about, and you can totally tell me no, cause this is very personal. Um, and you can go as deep or not deep as you want, or, you know, you can give the magic, like you're, we're going to edit this question entirely out of this conversation. Um, you, so you grew up believing that your sole purpose was wife and mother. You grew up believing that you weren't smart enough to take on chunks of life and household responsibilities. And more importantly than that, you believed that in order to get to heaven, you needed a man. And so now we have all of the earthly like stakes in place. And then the, the unclimbable mountain of heaven and hell, which is ridiculously impossible to negotiate and causes the fear that you are talking about. So we have all of this in play and this belief that your body is not your own. It's there to please men. Um, and at a young age being like, no, you can't have piercings or tattoos or anything unless your husband gives you the go ahead. I know that, and you just mentioned that you suffered abuse in your marriage would you be willing to talk about how this correlates over and how easily this sets women up 
to suffer abuse within these parameters. Did that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that the number one foundational belief that sets you up to be abused is to believe that you are inherently sinful which we are all taught as children and you are taught as a child yeah because the whole gospel is about Jesus saving you from your sins so if children are born into sin and we all need Jesus in order to be saved then you're kind of messed up from the beginning so it it just says that like i i am bad and mm, it's going to be mm-hmm. really easy for a man, woman, parent, anyone to tell you that you are bad. Even in your heart of hearts, you know, I'm not bad. So if God is telling you that you are bad, how easy is it going to believe when your husband tells you that you are bad? Which equates into really the the well-known line of I deserved it, right? Is that kind of where exactly. you're going? Mm-hmm. I deserved it. Mm. Second deeply held spiritual belief is love is sacrifice. Mm. So God loved us enough to sacrifice his son for us. And we also need to sacrifice for God. And I mean, I'll... All, all Christian Christians are taught about sacrificial love. It's not really love unless you lost something, unless yeah. you're giving something of yourself, unless it freaking hurts. That is not real love. This is yeah. not like a give and take. Like God has done everything for you. You have to do everything for him. Well, I was taught that men are God. Men are the head. Men are the top. Mm. We have to submit to them. So for me to sacrifice my dignity, my opinions, my body, my comfort, that was holy. I was proud mm-hmm. of myself. I mm. thought like, I, there, I even read this book about this abused woman who like twisted it around. and was like, I'm, sa- I'm getting abused for God. Like, this is what mm-hmm. God wants of me. And she goes, in the end, maybe my husband will turn to God whenever he sees how good I am. This is and I that was the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was so, gonna ask you as you were talking, is if it, it starts mm-hmm. to become this thing where, yeah, you're proud of yourself because I'm Oh yeah. This must be a good thing. Like this abuse uh-huh. must be good because I'm sacrificing, which is what God wants me to do. We're also obsessed with martyrs. You know, like people that died for God. Did you hear that stuff? It's, I mean, absolutely. Like differently, (laughs) like differently. I mean, because but it it seeps in, it seeps into you that like Mm -hmm. it's glorified. Yeah, it it is. It is glorified. And I think that the, the different sex treat it differently. I was just talking, I was talking yesterday to, um, someone from, a the, one of the mega churches from the evangelical and, um, this, this idea of 
dying for God, that that's one aspect and it's a little bit different in Mormonism, but then also this idea of, yeah, like if I'm being punished or not even punished, like if bad things are happening, it's cause I'm, I'm proving myself for God and I'm being a witness for God and I'm like converting others in my suffering. And, and I'm like, I feel like that would create almost this addiction to pain and suffering because you're like, I'm so <laughs> godly. Yeah. It you does. Know? It does. Yeah. Which is interesting. And I, I don't know that it, that thread comes through as heavy in Mormonism as it does in some of the other sects. Now there are other threads that are way more fucked up in Mormonism. Than <laughs> but like that one, yeah. <laughs> that one is, yeah, I didn't get it quite as bad. Well, and I, I grew up in a home where my mom had a lot of health problems. And so there was a lot of guilt and shame on her part for not being able to like do things the way that she should quote, which I, Oh, Oh, I took all of that. Um, but my dad stepped in to help a lot mm-hmm. to do stuff. And so I don't think I got those patriarchal roles as heavy handed as other people did. And then I married a man who was like a convert to the church and was raised by a single mom and there was like a 10 year age gap between him and the two younger kids. So he was kind of dad, like it was a totally different scenario. So he is also not patriarchal. And, and so, yeah, some, I sidestep some of this just by my natural circumstances, but I definitely saw it for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it turns into a core belief and the, most amazing thing I that saved me was whenever um, we were at D group <laughs> discipleship group on Wednesday nights, and um, I I was you know like one hair away from from calling everything quits. So I was very very close. I had gone on you know, a long journey of studying feminist um, mm-hmm. Christianity, which um, from my perspective isn't a thing like in the group that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, you could not turn the theology that, that we were studying into feminism, into mm-hmm. women are equal to men. So I had just gone down that road and found it a dead end and was really discouraged. And our D group leaders was teaching on Noah's Ark. And it was obviously like real thing. God decided to save the only um, righteous people, Noah and his family. And I said, like, why? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, why didn't he just send Jesus to save them at that point? And he goes, well, because all of them were sinners. I'm like, the kids were sinners. And he said, yes. And then I just like, again, like the soul like dropped from my body. And I was like, you think my kids are sinners? And I said it exactly like that. Like I was so confrontational. I was like, you believe my kids deserve death? Right, right. And I was saying right. that to my, I was saying that to myself. I that's what I had been teaching their whole yeah. lives. And yeah. and I was done. Like yeah. if the US government 
only executes the worst criminals after they've been proven, why does God execute everybody? Right. <laughs> like if, if the U.S. government doesn't even think like everybody's wrong and they have to be proved, but God thinks that literally everybody's wrong from childhood, then I just mm-hmm. said to myself, if there is a God, I don't want to follow him anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. how I got out. Those were yeah. the lines that I kept on saying to myself because I was terrified. Like when I got divorced, I was going to have this, I was going to become a bad person. And guess what? I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. actually found like an entire new layer of peace. And yeah. Um, so that was, that was what saved me was by saying, yeah. I am, I, I, I was born good. And I deserve that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Here's what I, I think is so beautiful. And I love that this is how it went down for you. Because um, I had some similar experiences where my realizations came because of my kids. Because yeah. it, it was it was too yeah. difficult for me to look at myself and be like, this might be wrong, right? Like, oh, I might yeah. be okay. I might not be horrible. But then when you look at your kids, it's different. Like, you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. Like, this... <laughs> This isn't making any sense. I can't compute this in my head. And that is is such a gift to be able to see that th- in a third-party way to enable you to then flip it back onto yourself. Oh, it does. And um, my friend who helped me out of the marriage um, said, would you be okay if Adara, my daughter, if, would you be okay if Adara was treated that way in her marriage? And I was like, no, like I would, I would freaking, you know, like there's no yeah. way I would ever let her be in a marriage like this. And yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. Okay. I want to know if you struggled with this at all or if this um, was a me thing. Cause I had the two parts. So like my first part, mm-hmm. I stayed in the church longer because of my kids, because I had to save them because I didn't want my kids to go to hell. Yeah. And so even though I was like dying, I was going to stand where I was standing. And, and so like they were what yeah. was holding me there. And then there was the flip where all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. And then they were really the catalyst for getting me out. Like, did you ever have those fears of, I can't leave because my kids yeah, absolutely. I wanted them to grow up in the church. I wanted them to have like a solid structure there. Um, that's where all of, that's where you make friends. That's where you live your life. Like, oh yeah, yeah. totally. I was doing it for my kids and I thought that it was uh, uh, so good for them. I honestly believe that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it was all I knew. I just have to yeah. keep on remembering that. And that was all you knew. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. That's well, what I, we, that's where we grew up. That's where they, we raised our kids. Like it is such a generational thing. Like my great grandpa yeah. freaking built that church. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring my yep. kids to it. And even now right? when I go back at home, like, I still have that pull, like, we're going to go to church. And I don't want to go to church. It's just ingrained. Like, that's where the langs go every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Right. Well, uh-huh. and it's, you know, I've talked about this on several episodes, but because um, I had a friend who really helped me to get to this realization. When you talk about, yeah, that's all, that's all you know, that's all I knew. That is such a big deal because, yeah, like you and I were learning all of these belief systems when we were learning how to survive and language and like it was hardwired in there. There was nothing else. And that is the truth because, again, the multi-generational thing that you just mentioned, that is the truth for so many women. It's not just a matter of do I want to stay or do I want to go? It's do I want... Do I want to, and am I capable of, or I don't like that. It's not that everyone's capable Mm -hmm. of it. Am I willing to Mm -hmm. reconstruct every thought process, every belief center, every like huge, massive swaths of my personality that were developed within this center of learning, right? That was religion. It is a big fucking deal. And that's what millennials are doing. Our generation are doing that. We are taking we are taking this on ourselves and we're doing a really good job. Like mm-hmm. kids are growing yes. up free from this. Yes. Like the numbers yes. are astounding. Lo- yes. And that's what oh my we God. have done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that because it is huge. And I think that we need to all give ourselves a little credit, particularly mothers, because we Uh are aware of the fact that our children have watched us like bursting into flames and flame, like, you know, a flaming ball through the sky of like, what the fuck is happening? And I think a lot of us, well, I don't think, I know a lot of us because I've talked to so many people Mm -hmm. worry that our children have watched us in this, this chaos of this deconstruction and this, and this refining ourselves. But here's what I, I think it's the greatest damn gift we could have possibly given them because we've shown them how to do it. We, Mm -hmm. they've sat and watched a model of like how to reconstruct themselves and how to be brave enough to do it and watched you come out the other side and been like, Oh wow, this is way better. Right. My mom is so much happier. My mom is so stable. Like, this is, it's such a beautiful example. And I love that you pointed out, like, look what we're doing. Like we are we doing are. such a good job because we are. Yeah. And it's a movement. It's, it's all of us together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This uh, podcast is called women, like silencing women in the name of God. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring up, um, that throughout my child uh, throughout my life and um there's a verse in first corinthians 14 34 it says it's uh apostle paul speaking it's right writing a letter to this church in corinthians it says as in all the churches of the saints so he's making a very general statement this mm-hmm. is not to one person it says the women should be kept silent in the churches. <laughs> so my dad kept on saying that. My dad kept on saying that. He's like, this is for all of us. This is not just for one man. This is not just for one church. This is all the churches of the saints. He would say, the women should be kept silent in the churches. Oh my God. So anytime uh. someone's, anytime someone's like, the Bible is a page. 
patriarchal. I just like, honestly, like that verse comes to my mind and I just want to be like, I think it is, but you're a good person. So you don't interpret it that way. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. And then he goes on to say, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law says. And then my dad would always say, this isn't just the New Testament. This isn't just Jesus's rejuvenation. This is going all the way back to the law. This is why God is here. Like women should be silent because the law says so. And he says, if they desire to learn anything, literally says, if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home for it is improper for a woman to speak at church. That is the Bible right there. That is why we have been subjected under men for for thousands of years. It's because we are being taught to be silent and you have to go home. And my dad would say, if you don't have a husband, then you can ask your, you can ask another man that you are under and submitted to like an elder or your dad. So how many times like growing up and then after you got married, how many times were you told by the men in your life, like to shut up, like just be quiet. Constantly. Constantly. Like you, you can't have an opinion. You can't have questions. You are not a real you just aren't valued. You aren't the same. You aren't equal. And what if it's your dreams come second, your, your, um, learning comes second, your, um, I mean, hell, your body comes second. Everything is about supporting and helping the men. And that's the way our, uh, unfortunately, like our culture even secular culture supported that because the secular culture was Christian for the longest time. And we're finally, finally starting to treat women with equality. We're, we're trying to get there very, very recently. Yeah. So yeah, it was, um, I mean, it, it was just a core belief. So no women were allowed to speak, you know, at any church I ever went to. So when I... (laughs) And oh, I can also say at Ozark Christian College, women are not allowed to be teachers or preachers. Oh my God. And my dad said, my dad said that, um, that I... If there was ever a female preacher that was invited to teach, I should leave that, that like place. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I have a question for you. So I know for me, (laughs) I remember this moment after I had left, like all the way left, um, it was so random because I was just pulling out of my garage to go somewhere else. And I think I was listening to a podcast that I found really interesting. And all of a sudden I was just so 
angry and I had so much grief because I realized, like I threw the car in park and like cried in my driveway because what I realized was, I was like, I have, I mean, somewhat of a philosopher mind. Like I love mm-hmm. thinking and I love like learning and pulling things apart and looking at human behavior and understanding how this all works. And like, I love it, but I was not allowed to do it because it would Mm. force me to access material that wasn't church approved and it might be scary Mm. and it could make my testimony break and all of these things. Um, Uh And it was, I was so angry at how many years that I had lost. So because that Mm. I know, I know you and I know like you like to think, you like to learn, you are a New York Times bestselling author, like you've written books, you've done all this stuff. When you look back, what feelings do you have around this? Like this, that silencing of the reality of you versus who you've become now. Oh my God. Okay. I feel like I went from being a the a drowning animal in the ocean that's completely mm-hmm. choking and um working so hard to stay alive to being on land. Mm. that's that is the difference Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm breathing air now Mm -hmm. yep that um yeah now that that's what it is it was (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it went from drowning to being able to stand on my feet and to grow something And to be able to think about not just surviving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was told that I was a sea animal, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I, I belong on land. I'm not, I'm not here for to be someone else's helpmate. Yeah. That imagery that you created was, I mean, obviously perfect because I started crying immediately because I recognize, I feel yeah. it. Like I, I think any woman listening who's been a part of any of this will feel that. Um, thank you for sharing. That was that was raw and, and beautiful. Uh, <sighs> mm. Well, and I think you know when I when I look back, I mean, drowning is definitely a, an adjective I've used a lot. Um, I also felt like I was constantly like screaming inside and just trying Mm -hmm. to, trying to hold it together, trying to, but, Mm -hmm. but I think what's interesting, I want to point this out for anyone that's listening is that now I look back and I talk to people and I'm like, yeah, feeling like you're drowning in the middle of the ocean, feeling like you're screaming inside constantly. Like these are signs that you are not in a location where you should be. These are signs that you need to move, right? But at that point for me, and I'm going to guess for you, but I want to hear what you what it was. Um, it was an indication for me that I needed to be better and work harder to get closer mm-hmm. to God. Because if, mm-hmm. if I was closer to God, I wouldn't feel like this inside. I, I would feel mm-hmm. better. And so I just needed to do what I was already doing, but more. 
Mm-hmm. Is and, that kind of uh, the same? Oh, oh yeah. Like I, I would, you know, be crying to my friends, like, I'm so miserable. Or my sister would be like, I am literally curled up in a field position on the floor crying. What's wrong with me? And I would say, we would say to each other, like, just, just try your best to have a clean house. Like, honestly, because that just, just, just try your best to get your kids on a sleep schedule. Just try your best to cook, to prepare your meals. So you aren't just stressed out. And we would, again, like just repeat these things to each other that were just lies. Yeah. That, that's all, that's all I had for anybody. I had no idea what the answer was. Yeah. For me, for anybody. Yeah. If you're okay with answering this question, um, I know in the Mormon church, um, I've heard this from a lot of women where they've gone in in situations of abuse and that the answer given to them was, well, have you tried having sex more? Yeah. <laughs> cause that, cause that'll fix, that'll fix the I know. In the marriage. Yeah. I was told by preacher's wife to just say set, just say mm-hmm. yes. And you'll feel, you'll feel turned on after it starts. Oh, cause so. that's how women's body works. I did not know this whole time. I've been looking in the wrong places forever. Oh my God. <laughs> that that's, that was, yeah, it's all your fault, girl. It is your fault. You, yeah. you're having trouble in your marriage. Why don't you have, why don't you be sexier? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of, I mean, it's just so blind because if, I mean, like Christianity is so much about family values that's pounded in. Mm-hmm. So if they lose, like if they believe that they're losing, like the upper hand on marriage, then they just can't lose that. So, so every pastor I knew and like, and these are from like women. I was taught this by women. I was taught chauvinism by women. I was taught, yeah, you know, that men are better than us by women. I was taught that we come second to men. Like th- these are lies, but then the men, of course, like uphold this, they have everything to lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> yeah. Which is why John Piper tells women to go to elders if they're having trouble at home. Mm-hmm. They don't want to lose yep. control. They don't want women to think that, oh my God, when I went to the, so <laughs> uh, when I went to um, the, women abuse shelter, um, after like, after suffering for 17 days, um, some real traumatic abuse from my ex-husband, um, went to a women's shelter and, um, also like found a therapist there. So this was while I was, when I was out of like the day after I had been raped, And she looks at me and then I say, like, I just want, I just don't want that to happen again. She's like, she's like, um, so let's, you know, get you set up with a lawyer. And I was like, why? And 
she was like, so you can get divorced. And I was like, no, I do not want to get divorced. And then she looks at me and she's like, okay. And, you know, I'm sure she's used to that. She's like, okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, let's, uh, we can get a police in here to take a report. I was like, why a police? And she looks at me because, again, like, in the Christian households, you are so isolated. All the women that I knew were going, you know, were, were like me. All the women that I knew. Not all of them were being abused, but all of them were like me and believed what I did. And she said, uh, because you were raped. And I said, no, I wasn't. And she's like, Ellie, did you told him that you did not want it. And I was like, yeah. I was like, but I'm his wife. Mm-hmm. And she goes, it's illegal to rape your wife. She goes, it was made illegal in 1991 in Missouri. Oh my God. And I just lost it because, you know, like wives don't get raped. Like that was the first time I considered that my body was my own. And how old were you? 30. Mm-hmm. That that was so strong in me that there was it that like rape is what happened in a dark alleyway with a stranger. Right. So that started me my journey to reclaim my body and reclaim safety, reclaim my spirit, you know, reclaim identity. And I did all that through, um, through therapy, medications, and then time. Yeah. 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 And then also, unfortunately, completely, like not one friend from before, from, mm. from earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that can't really be understated because that is such a, a huge wall to climb over in, in this bid to find ourselves is realizing the reality for many of us, which is the loss of everything, including community, friends, family, and to walk this alone is horrifically painful, terribly scary. And I think having expectations is good. And so I think it's really good to talk about it, but it's also good to not um, gloss over it as if like being alone, isn't that big of a deal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So Um, I know that our time is, is running out. Um, There was like, If your time is running out, our time is running out. If your time is not running out, we are good. (laughs) Um, There's just like one one story that kind of sums up what women go through um, for me. And um, it's the story of Hagar in the Bible. And ever since I was a little girl, it was a new... I knew that something was desperately wrong. So, um, do you know, like, do you know the story of Hagar who was, I actually don't know if I do, but 
even uh-huh. if I did, you're going to tell it for everyone that's listening. So go ahead. <laughs> um, so Abraham is the father of our faith. Oh, I do know this story. Okay. I was like, I probably do, but names <laughs> yeah. and we don't get along. Okay. Go ahead. So go, tell Abra- it for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Abraham's the father of our faith. Like we need to be like him. He, we were told in Hebrews 11 that, you know, like this is who, this is peak, peak faith in God right here. And we're told to be like, women are told to be like his wife, Sarah, who called him master. That's why she has faith is because she called her husband master. Mm -hmm. Um, And well, they, they were promised an heir, but Sarah couldn't have a baby. So then they made a mistake. And Sarah, um, again, Sarah, like a woman forced him to sleep with her slave so that they could raise this baby as their heir. Well, a virgin slave is probably 13 or 14 years old, right? And Abraham's, I think it's like, he was in his 80s or 90s. And um, so he he's like, I think this is a bad idea. And Sarah's like, no, this is, this is the right idea. So he sleeps with her slave. So again, rape, you know, this is a slave. She has no choice over her body. Um, So he, he rapes her. She has a baby. And then um, um, she, no, um, she gets abused by Sarah for the attentions from Abraham. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she runs away. Hagar runs away. And I'm like, yeah, go Hagar. Like you're running away from this abusive situation. And this is great. That is always what I've thought. And then she's um, laying down and God shows up. And he says, Hagar, you're a part of my plan. You need to go back. You need to go back. And like that right there tells me everything that I need to know about God. Is that he will let you sacrifice your life. He will let you suffer. He will let you be a martyr. He will, if it's a part of his plan, And also, like, why does his plan involve 80-year-olds raping slaves? Mm -hmm. So in every single part of that story, it is disgusting and horrific. And if we saw that in a newspaper today, we'd be like, gross, that man needs to be, you know, shot into the face. Like, no, like, you cannot have slaves and you can't rape slaves and, and, and then steal their child for yours. And yet here is Abraham, the man that we're supposed to be like, who has a slave, raped her, and then stole, was going to steal her child for his heir. And so I just thought like, no, I'm done. So even if there, and then in order to separate myself, I said, even if there is a God like this, I don't want to follow him. And I'll just go to hell. I'm going to be happy because I will not follow a religion who believes that anymore. And that was my story about 
what how God sees women. <laughs> so that's like, <laughs> and yeah. so I was like, yeah. since God sees women that way, then I'm not going to um, follow Him anymore. And that was how I got yeah. free. Like a yeah. big reason of how I got free. And I just told myself, even if. So like, let's say the story is true. There's God and the Bible's true. I still don't want to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that it's, it's interesting because (laughs) what, when you were saying, like, if we saw this in newspaper today, right, like this would not be okay, but this is exactly why I named the podcast, like in the name of God is because when you tell a story in a church setting, it's like, well, yeah, but we don't understand God's ways. Because we can't, like it's a, you know what I mean? Like, but it's, not, there's, there's things. And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Like we can't just use the name of God and just like make everything go away. Like that is not, <laughs> um, that's not. And it's so funny. I love, so I do, I hold a belief in a, in a higher power, but it looks nothing yeah. like any definition of God oh, that I've yeah. ever been told ever. But mm-hmm. like, I remember having a moment where I was sitting in, I think I was in church and just the things that were being said and the way that people were behaving. And I don't know, I have like one of those moments where you're there, but you're not there. Like, I'm just looking around <laughs> like, what is happening? Where am I? Like, why is this going on? And I remember being like, wait a second. <laughs> this is, this is hard. I'm going to tell this story, but I just want to, there are lovely people that went to my church. Okay. I'm not saying that they're all bad people. <clears throat> they, I have a lovely neighbor who would give me the shirt off of their back and has done amazing things for me. So we'll put that out there. But I remember sitting there and realizing like, oh my God, I am so miserable. I don't agree with anything that's being said. I don't agree with the way that people are behaving. I don't agree with the little snippy comment that was just whispered in my ear from the person sitting next to me. Like, I don't agree with any of this. And I've been taught that if I'm really, really great and really, really righteous, that I'm going to spend eternity with all of these people. <laughs> and all of this, I was, I was like, heaven is not sounding as great as it did before. <laughs> like, do you know what? I was just like, I don't want this. I would rather not go to heaven if this is what heaven looks like. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Isn't okay. that a big, that is a huge thought though. Yeah. Yeah. It and is it's scary because you're like, you're like, but hell, but do I understand? But like, I, <laughs> even if I don't understand, I don't care because this feels like hell right now. So <laughs> that's what we're yeah. going with. Yeah. So spe- speaking of hell, um, at what point did you realize that you were queer? Because I feel like not admitting that to yourself probably felt like hell in a lot of ways. It did. Um, It was puberty um, when, you know, I started self-love and um, hormones. (laughs) You know what? Honestly, God, if you would have, if I would have just heard that on a podcast, I wouldn't have realized, but like the little smirk and the little rock in the chair that you just did, I was like, oh, oh, that kind of (laughs) self-love. Yeah. Okay. Puberty, self love, self love. I'm sorry, but like Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that's (laughs) it right there. (laughs) Yeah. Princess Leia. um, Thank you for. (laughs) So, Ellie, Ellie's like, I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ellie's very confused at this point in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but but I thought I I I did not I I didn't think about it actually like. I was, I was made for men. So what was getting me turned on had nothing to do with my orientation. Like I, Mm. I am straight. I am straight. I am straight. Fast forward. And like, I'm playing, you know, basketball with girls in the locker room, like having gay thoughts and still being like, I'm straight. I'm straight. Because there's like, even if I thought like, okay, so you're attracted to women, there's just nothing that I was going to do about it. Like zero. So fast forward to when I'm 18 years old, first time in a dorm with other girls and we're like talking and laughing. And we're, by the way, you would get kicked out of Ozark Christian College for any kind of homosexual activity. So, and there were people that were reporting on on you. So you were not going to be gay at all <laughs> there. Yeah. And, um, but one night it was really late and talking with my best friend there. And I was like, and we were talking about, um, masturbating and if it's wrong or not. And, but we like both said that we did it. I was like, yeah, like, I mean, girls are so pretty. I just can't, whenever I like think about, you know, a girl then, and she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, like, that's what I picture. And like, I looked at her like, and she goes, like, doesn't everybody picture? Yeah. She goes, you picture girls? And I say, yeah, because they're so pretty. And she goes, Ellie, that, that's wrong. You, I was like, what do you picture? She goes, men. And I was like, oh. And that was the very first time I ever thought I was different. So then I get married. So I met my like husband. So like the it. whole, so <laughs> puberty to 18, you yeah. think that every woman is masturbating every woman. to women. Yeah. Cause women are this. gorgeous. Why wouldn't they? Well, yeah, they okay. are pretty. They're- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how gay. And when I'm reading my little books, I have like little fantasies with the, you know, girl main characters. I had one going right. with Anne of Green Gables. I had one going with, oh, Susan is super hot in Chronicles of Narnia. Like she's a hottie. You oh, know? I'm like, and Susan, had, Susan. Okay, Chronicles of Narnia. In Chronicles of Narnia, we had a great <laughs> thing going in my head. <laughs> like I would create Here's all these fantasies. <laughs> Here's what's so fascinating about the human, like the human brain and how we work, because had you been raised with any other narrative, you would have been like, I like girls, but because it was taught to you as wrong, bad, evil, and why you were going to be thrust down to hell, like it sounds like to me, please tell me if this is correct. Like it's the equivalent of like brick walls in your brain of like, <laughs> no, like that, that can't even get in. Like that goes on the other side of the wall because that's not possible. It's not a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. These oh are stories. Okay. But then um, since repression doesn't work, then I lived a life of fantasy 
And mm. I had to create an entire world inside my head to fit who I was. Because I did you feel you're, bad about this? Like after 18, when she was like, This is wrong, did you start to feel like guilt and shame around that where it hadn't been there before? No, because I had I mean, just like add it to all my other guilt and shame. Oh my god. <laughs> so there was so <laughs> much you didn't notice, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> Add it, add it to the list of all the other things I was guilty and ashamed of. Okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so you lived a life of fantasy. Then, Sorry, I interrupted you. And then I read about my first bisexual queen, who's Elizabeth Solander in um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And oh, that okay. was the first time I learned about bisexuality. And, and you were I how old like, at this point? Probably like 23. So you're 23. You were still married, still in the church. And how many kids did you have at this point? All three. So all no, three. two. And, two. And, yeah. and you're realizing, and you're reading this going, oh my God, this might be me. I knew it. I already knew it. I just found the word for it. I knew gotcha. it for sure. Yeah. And so um, was it a sin? Like, would it, would it be considered a sin that you were bisexual or was it only a sin if you act oh, on that? Oh, you had to. Okay, great. That's a great question. We were taught that um, my mom told me not, I wasn't even fishing. No, no, no. I was fishing. And it was when I was old. I was like, probably actually at that same time you were like oddly enough I was 23 (laughs) coincidence I was like so mom are people born homosexuals and she was like god she goes people are born homosexuals just like people are born alcoholics or liars or um they they are they have this propensity for sin that doesn't mean that they have to be it and I was like well what if like a gay person is born that way then and what should they do and she goes they'll have to live in abstinence forever so um and I was just like heartbroken. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't, like, there's just, you have no, no chance at all. And then I said, well, what? Like, I know how lying hurts people. I know how being an alcoholic hurts people. What does, how does homosexuality hurt people? And she goes, it destroys the family. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that would be the Mormon narrative as well. <laughs> it's the fit. It's the family values. It is James Dobson. It is you. You get married and you have kids and you go to church. Like, and anyone who's gay cannot partake in the love of God. Like, mm. just can't. Yeah. Or you can be abstinent. Like Paul was, because Paul said that it's better to be single than to be married, so that you can concentrate on serving God, 
not serving your family. So that's but that's okay. They cannot yeah. have kids, and that's fine. Yeah. But oh yeah. my god. Uh huh. So okay. um, abstinence only for homosexuals. <laughs> okay. That's it. So. And was this, okay, so tell me, so I know you said you were heartbroken and I imagine for sure um, mm-hmm. that to have just finally put a name to that and then have that torn away would have been like really horrible. Um, you were also still married and in a heterosexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, I don't know, did you feel like... I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get divorced anyway, because that's against the church. So I need to just kind Um, of be okay with this. Or did it really become a bigger struggle because you were trying to repress that? Does that make sense? What I mean? Oh, it became, it was just another part of my identity that I had to say didn't matter. Because, Mm, like, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. didn't matter what I wanted in a bedroom. It didn't matter what my goals were spiritually. Like, I was in submission. And so I just really learned to shut it off. And I just kept on shutting it off. I kept on shutting it off. And I just, like, want to tell just everyone out there that if you are trying to shut things off, that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And the sooner that you start processing why you're not living out loud, then the safer you'll be. Um, Mm. Because that is very self-destructive is to shut, shut yourself off and to tell, tell yourself to just put up with it. Tell yourself one more year if you're fantasizing about another life, if you're fantasizing about what you could be, then that, then start, start trying to think about and process why that isn't your life. And it will be so rewarding for you. Mm, Absolutely. So true. And thank you. Like I love, Any bits of advice that we can get for people who are going through this are just so invaluable. So thank you. Um, And I'm sure I'm going to ask you to share more advice in in one second. Um, When you, so you got divorced and now you left the church right in that same time frame. Like what, like within a course of a year, you had gotten a divorce. Same moment. Same moment. Okay. So that all, so all of the stories of the, okay. all just boom at one moment. Okay. So you're free kind of alone. Yeah. Free. Yeah. Um, how, cause I am trying to remember again, I feel so bad cause our Uh pre-interview was so long ago, but if I remember correctly, you struggled with some shame around your identity once you were available to start exploring that. Did I make that up or does that happen? Okay. I don't want to say something that isn't accurate. So like I, so, okay. So now, um, I'm, I'm on my own two feet on land, but I'm lost. I'm this lost little girl. Doesn't know who she is. Doesn't know where she is. Doesn't know how to walk on her own two feet. So I'm learning a lot at the age of 30, freshly divorced. Um, like 
And um, I wanted to apply everything that I was doing to make a man proud of me. And I had that core belief. And so I would eat, I, I was um, dating or sleeping with guys. Um, and, and then I also turned a couple male friends into like father figures without mm-hmm. realizing it. And it was, and I would need their approval. I would need their permission. I would need their, um, I, I start, I was still depending on men for, um, my well-being. And wow. it was, I was, that's, that's just the way that I was living. And it didn't matter how many, um, f- like female friends or, um, therapists pointed it out to me until I had, um, gone through PTSD, like, um, treatment. As soon as I went through PTSD treatment, and felt safe and secure in my body and was no longer getting triggered to the past, that was the Mm. moment that I was able to trust myself and not need an outside source of uh, security. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like I had trained my physical body to need the safety of a man. Right. And my chemical, my brain chemistry was so in tune to that. And I, I ruined those male friendships, completely ruined them because of, of that. Um, Right. Which I so, you know, like deeply regret and I'm sad um, that, but that was, I mean, that was that cost of uh, viewing men that way. Right. That was, thank you for sharing that. And I don't remember whether or not you had specified, um, that you went through actual PTSD treatment, but yeah, the, the, the idea that you had trained your body to respond to -hmm. that makes complete and total sense for Mm -hmm. people who are listening, who have been through this, who, who probably just heard that and was like, Oh my God, I never even thought that it could be PTSD because I think we've all been trained that PTSD should only be used for you know war heroes like that that mm-hmm. that we don't get to claim that how how does someone find treatment for that can you go to a regular therapist do you need to go to someone no. that specializes go to, in that a, yeah go to a trauma-centered therapist um try there's um multiple ways to treat not only treat but to cure ptsd so right now my i do not have ptsd anymore because of amazing therapists that cured me like um some people may struggle with it for the rest of their lives but i was um like thankfully one of them who was cured through therapy and um um uh, i just like it's a if you are going through something in your mind that's overwhelming and um, you're either lost or drowning, then F and if you've been diagnosed with PTSD, you have to settle that feeling 
I mean, not that feeling. You have to settle your brain chemistry before you're, you'll be able to move on. Like you will mm-hmm. not be able to move on until you are safe in your own mind. And you won't be safe in your own mind when you have PTSD. So I just, I just completely urge any, anybody who um, has PTSD to seek treatment for it because um, it turns on your fight or flight um, CNS um, system and, and your front, so your frontal lobe shuts down and you can't think. Mm. So try thinking yourself out of something. You can't do it. So just seek treatment. There's, um, there's a lot of help out there. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What would you like to share? Um, before I ask you for all of your advice and, and thoughts, um, I know that there are a lot of people who are transitioning and realizing that they are on the LGBTQ spectrum because Mm -hmm. of the, let's see how many interviews they have over here. I don't know, 18 or something. Uh, Out of that sample size, there is like four or five of you who (laughs) have this story, which I'm like, that is a ridiculously large number (laughs) for my tiny little little sample size. Um, So I know that there are a lot of people because of exactly what you're saying, where Hmm. it wasn't even a possibility. Like I couldn't even think that that would be Mm -hmm. a thing despite like knowing. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. my one friend, Sierra, said on the podcast, she was like, I just would have women that I wanted to be around all the time. And I just thought that they were really good friends until like later she was like, Oh, it's <laughs> not what I thought it was. Um, but what would you like to share about claiming that, especially having been raised in a purity culture, being raised in a patriarchal system, being raised in a system that says you need a man, um, that it was a sin. Like you had almost every single strike you could have had against you and how you were raised to be able to claim this as your own. So what parts of your story would you like to tell for people um, to help them along that path, either to either see themselves more accurately, any pitfalls, just whatever you want to share about this. Oh my God. Okay. So the second teen rebellion stage that we were supposed to go through as teenagers, <laughs> it hits different in your thirties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It yeah. hits different. Listen, and... I know that Ooh. I am not going to, my story around this is Ooh. not involving the LGBTQ <laughs> spectrum, but I was saying to someone just this week. You know what week, I mean. Yes, you know what I, was, I mean. <laughs> I was saying to someone just this week, and I was like, listen, all these things you're supposed to go through as a teenager, you're supposed to go through as a teenager because now you don't have careers that you're blowing up and <laughs> children that you're supposed to be taking care of. And now, oh I yeah, know. we have all of <laughs> Yes. Drugs. Yes. Sex. Rock and roll, baby. Oh, yeah. Like, I needed it all. I had a voracious appetite and um, anxiety and depression. So I just wanted to feel something. So um, I I just did it all. I went wild. I slept with, like, 
more than 50 people. Like all I was, I was drinking. I was trying. Well, I actually didn't try drugs. Um, (laughs) I'm like trying to be cooler than I was. No, (laughs) I I was, I was not doing drugs. (laughs) You're you're embellishing (laughs) your wild child story. I was. Um, and, and because sex, drugs and rock and roll sounds cooler than just sex it does. And rock and roll. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And, and I, I was so like, I was, I was rebelling like against my dad, you know, and against the church and against my own, my own identity. And let let yourself do it like just do it there's like for me there was no way around it there was just you have to go through it and it really helped shape me into the person that I am today Mm. like if I hadn't have gone wild I don't think I would have settled if I hadn't have gone wild I wouldn't have learned who I was so you know I tried everything and then I learned, oh, I don't like that. Um, and I, um, I would just say though, like, you know, be safe and keep trying to tie things back to your own identity. Mm-hmm. So, like, is mm-hmm. this who I am? Mm-hmm. And your wilding out is just gonna look like you. It might be that like you've yourself into other people your whole freaking life and so you just need to sit on your butt on the couch and binge tv shows for three years that's what it might look like to you because you've Mm -hmm. served everybody for your whole life and now Mm -hmm. you need to go binge those tv shows and do nothing that's what yours Mm -hmm. might look like yours Mm -hmm. might look like being a total slut yours might look like being really you know gay or like an activist or and just just pursue pursue what you need to and like trust yourself and because I because I wild wilded out then um I it helped me develop like that's a developmental phase for a reason so like Mm -hmm. don't be scared of it Mm -hmm. it's probably going to happen (laughs) Does that in make one sense? way or another? Yes. Well, and it does. <laughs> and I love that you specified like that it looks so different for people because yeah. it does. And I also really like what you said about checking in with yourself and asking, is this me? Because it's so easy when we've been handed a set of rules that says, this is how you think, this is how you act, this is how you believe, this is all the things to step back into another comfort zone where someone else says, no, this is how we act and, and to just go with that. So to, to specify, you know, if you're going to go out and try something new, yeah, check in and be like, was that authentic to who I am? And if the answer is no, walk away. If the answer is yes, roll, just, just roll with it, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, like mine looks like, I love that you gave the example of doing nothing for three years. Um, <clears throat> Cause mine looked like a complete shift into, mm, I mean, it was spirituality, but it's also, it was a lot of self development and self discovery. And that looked like a lot of sitting on my butt, whether it was like meditating or sitting out in yeah. my yard for two hours in the sun, 
listening to birds, which I have done for two years, like just like sitting out there. But that was what I, that was what I needed to find who the hell I was. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would have drank more had my body not decided (laughs) that it wasn't going to go for that. (laughs) Seriously. That was what's it. Yeah. My body, I just can't like have so many health problems that if I have like, I can have like a drink and I'm okay. But if I have no drinking like, is so bad for you. Like <laughs> if I if I have one drink like two days in a row, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm feeling that. Like that hurts. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, otherwise, yes, I'm sure I would have experimented with that more. But but yeah, just being able to yeah, find you is is so uh-huh. important. And to find you without because, the shame. Because that's really yeah, what you're you were, too, like you were not doing it as a 16-year-old Christian girl. You just weren't. Yep. You oh, were exactly. Like I, people. my husband is always like, "Did you, have you ever? Did you watch this TV show?" And I'm like, "How many times do we have to go through what my childhood looked like?" Of course, I was not watching that TV show. Like, yeah. I didn't swear, I didn't drink, we didn't have sex, uh-huh. I didn't do it. Like, and I did not watch inappropriate TV, and I didn't listen to inappropriate music. Like, no, yeah. no, I don't know uh-huh. what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So true. So true. Okay. Oh, you've been amazing and delightful. And I've loved this entire conversation. So before I wrap us up, I want you to share any advice you have for people who are, I mean, in any of your categories, people who are living, leaving, um, this, a patriarchal system like this, people who need to find themselves, whether it be as a woman or in the LGBTQ spectrum, anything, that you would like to share to help people along the way, I would love for you to drop. So um, you're told that, um, you know, you're born sinful and need a savior and that everything that you need is outside yourself, that you have to, you have to get it. You have to deserve, you have to work for it, or you have to believe enough for But I just want you to just sit with yourself and know that everything you need is inside you. You have all the love that you need for yourself. You have all the peace that you need for yourself. You have so much wisdom inside yourself. You know your body, you know your mind, and you know the world. And when you sit with, just sit with yourself, talk to yourself, listen to yourself, you will tap into that wisdom and love and peace and be the person that we need. Like we need you to be yourself. And so speak up. Yeah. Just do not let, do not let yourself be silenced ever again. Ellie, thank you so, so much. I love you, Debrie. You're so, so wonderful and easy to talk to. I love you too. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking the time to like, rate, review, and share. Let's make sure that when someone clicks on this podcast,
that our voices are the loudest. Love you all. There once was a woman who lost her way. She wandered through thickets and thorns. They told her her pain was not but the price of finding her soul again. Silent, she was silent, but she'll carry her pain no more. Silent, she was silent.